0: Hey, before we get to the Poundstone Institute, we want to tell you to start your day tomorrow with Up First, the morning news podcast from NPR. Apple podcast reviewer Eve Bethel calls it concise and comprehensive. She says, I listen to Up First every morning on my walk to work. It gives me a great summary of the top news stories to keep my eye on during the day and the upcoming week. Wake up with Up First tomorrow morning on the NPR One app and wherever you listen to
1: podcasts. Here's some interesting research that just came into the institute. You want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Researchers at Germany's Furtwangen University have Furtwangen? Furtwangen. Oh my gosh. Fert-Wangen. Boy, those were the days. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Furtwangen. 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 Is it Wagen or Wangen? It's
1: FU. <laughs>
2: Uh, all right. Shall I continue? Yes! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Researchers at Germany's Furtwangen University have determined how often you should replace your kitchen sponge. So, let me ask you. Yeah. How often do you replace yours? Ah,
0: uh, very rarely. I have a bad feeling Furtwangen <laughs> would give us a very bad grade in my kitchen.
1: Well, it turns out that the answer is once a week.
0: Oh, honestly. Well, you know l- well, what? Listen to They're this. They're totally funded by sponge companies.
1: <laughs> yeah, big, big sponge.
0: Yeah, KitchenAid is a huge supporter. Yeah.
1: Um, it turns out uh, there are 362 different types of bacteria lurking on your average kitchen sponge. Oh my god. That's different types. That's not three hundred and sixty two bacteria. That That's would be just the a types. sparse population it is like there's different bacteria neighborhoods on your sponge.
0: And it put and it puts us to shame, cause look, they all get along on one sponge.
1: <laughs> from NPR, it's live from the Poundstone Institute, where trains of thought go to derail. On today's show, an epidemiological approach to birthday parties. Does blowing out the candles on your cake spread germs? And who doesn't love a cake with chocolate frosting and influenza? Plus, why your skin turning blue could actually be a good thing, and not just because it proves you're part Smurf, and thus eligible for all those ethnic Smurf scholarships. And Tiffany Haddish, star of Girls Trip, joins us to take our personality test to find out what sports mascot she'd be. I'm Chief of Research Adam Felber, and now here's your host, the Director of the Poundstone Institute, Paula Poundstone. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you, Chief of Research Adam Felber. Welcome, everybody, to the Poundstone Institute, where the teacher's pet just got off leash again. What are we getting into first today,
1: Adam? We're looking into the science of birthday cakes. All right, when was the last time you had a birthday cake? And do you remember if you blew out the candles?
0: I did not blow out the candles. It was a couple of years ago. Uh, There were no candles. There were just plastic figurines, and you don't blow them.
1: Well, it turns out you might have done the exact right thing on that birthday cake. With us now is Paul Dawson. He's a professor at Clemson University. And he recently conducted a study to answer this important question. Should we really be eating birthday cake after the guest of honor blows spittle all over it? (laughs) Paul Dawson, welcome to the Poundstone Institute. Thank you. So, Paul, you wanted to know if we're spreading germs when we blow out the candles on the cake. That's correct. Before we get to the result, which is fascinating and disgusting, tell us how you did it.
3: But we wanted to simulate a birthday party, and so we actually had our subjects, if you will, eat a piece of pizza to get their salivary glands kind of moving. And so after that piece of pizza, we had them blow out birthday candles. Of course, we were interested in the bacteria being released, so we just used uh, the icing on a thin layer of uh, aluminum foil. And then we collected the aluminum foil and measured the bacteria on the icing that had been blown. Ow. Wow. Once that had not been blown.
1: What were the findings? Uh, how how gross is this?
3: Uh, we found about there were 15 times the number of bacteria on the icing that had been blown on versus that had not been blown on.
0: Is that what scientists would call a lot?
3: Yeah, anybody would call that a lot. Yeah, we tried to, <laughs> yeah, 15 times... <laughs> You know, we just used, we used college students because they were, you know, our subjects, but I think the very young and the very old, the extremes would probably be even worse.
1: Is that because kids are just spit factories and older people have many, many, many more candles?
3: Sure, I have this scenario. You've seen, seen a 91-year-old person trying to blow a birth, 91 candles out, but also they've probably got, at that age, lost control of their spittle, if you will, as oh. well as a 5-year-old, so...
0: I don't think anybody makes a 91-year-old blow out 91 candles. <laughs> I mean, this just sounds cruel.
1: I, yeah, but if you've if you've waited like yeah, 51 yeah. years waiting for your inheritance, you yeah, might right. do that too. Yeah, keep to going, grandma.
0: Betty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you missed 50. Yeah, she's not blowing them out. She's she's watering them.
1: <laughs> right. So. Um, Uh, Paul, have you done any work on on other things, like bobbing for apples, maybe? That seems up your alley.
3: Well, that's a good one. We haven't done that one. We've done a few others, but not bobbing for apples.
1: What are the other ones you've done? Any other party-based research?
3: Yes, we've done one on beer pong. Beer pong! (laughs) Yes. So what we did was we had uh, our students span out across our campus here at Clemson on homecoming weekend and collect beer pong balls from games that were actually being played, then bring them back to the lab and analyze the bacteria that were on those games have been played in different places on campus. So
0: the balls like land on the floor and stuff and they end up going but but b- and then they pick up that same ball and try to hit it into the glass. Is that what you mean?
3: Exactly. And and you can imagine the scenario. First of all, they're, they're handling it with their hands, which is probably not the best thing or when you're drinking a lot of beer or at a party, you might tend to go to the bathroom. And oh. there has been studies that only one in five people wash their hands after going to the bathroom. Well,
0: wait a minute. Back up to that <laughs> statistic. <laughs> only one in five people wash their hands after going to the bathroom. How did you determine that?
3: Well, I think one thing is I can measure the number of times that the sink spigot was turned on versus the number of times the toilet or urinal was flushed. Oh, oh and nice. And a rough estimate on. Get yeah. It may not be exact, but No, no, because
0: you're missing the guys who have both peed separately in urinals, and then they go, Let's share the water in the sink. (laughs) That's a thing,
1: isn't it, Adam? That's um That's not a thing. Okay, and um how about how about anything else? Have you done the notorious double dipping study? We
3: did the double dipping
1: study. You did the double dipping. You know the double dipping, where somebody eats a, eats a chip and then um, dips the uneaten portion again in the dip.
0: Yeah, I don't do. I bite off one side and then I flip it around and go back in with the other side.
1: Did you look into that, Paul?
3: Uh, yes, we did. In fact, well, what Paul just said actually is probably better. But actually, you're dipping the side and you had your hand on. So unless you, hopefully, you wash your hands. Uh, after you went to well,
0: <laughs> I am. I wash extra to make up for the asshole who didn't wash his hands.
3: We talk, well, you, you talk about washing your hands, and we did also did one on hand dryers, and those are actually more like bacteria blowers. No. No, and really? No. What Why do you is mean? that? Well, I mean, if you st- you figure the air's coming out, and you're sticking your dirty hands or your semi-washed hands, and you're blowing air around the bathroom. Oh,
0: for heaven's
1: sakes! Well, I, you're I, not blowing it
0: around the bathroom. It's going straight down.
1: And then back <laughs> up and stuff. No, well, they, they don't blow back up. Bac- bacteria are not made of lead. Back me up, Paul. Bring some science.
3: Yeah, they're not made of lead. That's, that's, that's good enough. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. I got your back <laughs> on that one, yeah. Yeah, we also, we, also, we also did restaurant menus. Oh, restaurant.
0: You know what? I used to work at the International House of Pancakes, and I worked 11 at night to 7 in the morning, and, and around 3 a.m., there was kind of a downtime. And. Uh, I always uh, wiped off the menus, but come to think of it, with a sponge. (laughs) (laughs) And I was probably fresh out of the bathroom from washing my hands and using the blower. (laughs) Apparently the blower is a bouncy house for bacteria. (laughs) Uh, Man, Paul, this was really uh, disgusting. And informative, and I'm never having a birthday party ever again, just to save lives. Uh, I really want to thank you so much for joining us. This This was fun.
1: Paul Dawson is a professor at Clemson University. Paul, thank you for joining us on the Poundstone Institute. Thank
3: you. My pleasure.
0: Does anybody else use the same chip method that I use? It's the people in the way back that are willing. I saw somebody over there with their hand up saying that they use my same chip method. Yes, always. And have you ever had chips with somebody and then called them the next day and found they were like on an IV? Uh, what, 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 what do you, where do you live, ma'am? Oh, <laughs> everywhere, here. You live everywhere? <laughs>
1: are you god
0: yeah i sort of i live, sort of live in three places i live i live in marina del rey sort of right here in hollywood and in san dimas i have a tiny little house why why, why do you live in three places ma'am well because of traffic yeah, yeah. It's are, are there times the where you just pull over and say here's where i live now <laughs> I don't blame you, ma'am. I'm, yep. I'm going to live on sunset tonight myself. <laughs> hey, let me ask you something. Um, h- how often do you wash your sponge? <laughs> I wash my friend's sponge in Marina Del Rey every time I go over there because she never washes her sponge. Wow. I wash my friend's sponge in Marina Del Rey. <laughs> Gosh. That, that, sounds- that sounds so Neil Diamond. Here at the Institute, we don't just talk about other people's studies, we also conduct our own. Which is why we're doing today's show inside a giant
1: MRI machine. (laughs) We're also conducting a survey. Today we're asking people if they've ever lied to their kids, and if so, about what. And we'll find out what percentage of our audience likes to mess with their kids' heads a little later on. Plus, the breakout star of Girls Trip, Tiffany Haddish, is stopping by to take our personality test. We'll crunch the results and tell her what sports mascot she most resembles. All right, Paula. It's time to thank our Poundstone Institute sponsors, without whom we'd never be able to afford that $200 fee that goes with our accreditation application. Who do we have to thank?
0: We'd like to thank Discover Card, who alerts you if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. Discover believes there are some things that you just need to know. They probably won't tell you if your shirt is tucked into your underwear, and you need to know that. But Discover does tell you some pretty important stuff. It's just another way Discover looks out for you, not just your account. And best of all, social security alerts are free for Discover card members. All you have to do is sign up online. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply, but don't worry. The limitations are things like they won't tell you if you have mustard on your face from lunch. We'd also like to thank Google Cloud Platform. If you're looking to move to the cloud, you must have some really noisy neighbors. When you do move to the cloud, Google Cloud Platform provides security that scales with your business and keeps your data safe, no matter how fast you grow. The security grows with your business. I think I need Google Cloud Platform. My only web security now is a guy who texts me. Be careful. It's built on more than 15 years of experience focused on keeping customers safe on Google applications like Gmail, Search, and other apps. With Google Cloud Platform, your applications and data take advantage of the same security model. To learn more about Google Cloud Platform, visit cloud.google.com. Okay, Adam, let's continue our search for knowledge. Where does our next adventure of the mind take us?
1: Well, we're going to be finding out about synthetic biology. And do you have any idea what synthetic biology is?
0: I have no idea what—I I know, pathetic biology. That's what I did when I was a sophomore.
1: Well, synthetic biology is something we're going to find out about. We've got Kate Bagley, a science journalist who just wrote about it for NBC News Mock, and she joins us now to talk about it. Kate Bagley, welcome to the Poundstone Institute.
2: Hi there, thanks for having me.
1: So you wrote about this new field of synthetic biology— Um, Where we're essentially using bacteria that's already in our bodies to notify us when something's wrong. Can you explain how that works?
2: Yeah. So the idea is that, you know, there are tens of trillions of bacteria hitchhiking all over your body. And they're especially in your guts uh, and on your skin. And we know that some of them are already helpful, you know, they can do things like help us digest food, for example. And so the idea is, you know, what if we could make them even better?
1: So let's get to specifics because this stuff is weird and interesting. Okay, so, so for instance, there's one use which involves changing the smell of what comes out of us, right? Can right. you talk about that one? Because that one's real gross.
2: Right. Scientists want to make kind of improved versions of bacteria that already live in our bodies that, you know, you would take as a cream or as a pill. So you'd have these bacteria, and they could be a warning signal if you get sick. So, you know, you poop, and you would poop out some gut microbes, as you always do. And if they've detected evidence, you know, of a disease, they might release, you know, a smell. So, for example, a banana smell.
1: You're saying that you can develop gut bacteria that will warn you that you might be getting sick by making your poop smell like bananas.
2: That is literally exactly what they want to do. Wow. I mean, it wouldn't have to be bananas. Um, I hope it's not bananas actually. Yeah. I never want to eat bananas again. Yeah, kind of
0: un- unfair to Carmen Miranda. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Is that Carmen Miranda or do I have colon cancer? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm Chiquita Banana and I'm, I'm here, here to today. say...
1: You've got a tumor in a very big way. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right, so Kate, uh, let's let's move on to another one. Um, apparently the bacteria in our skin might be m- able to, we might be able to modify that to warn us about dangerous substances.
2: Right, yeah, you could take these bacteria, they already live in your skin, then make engineered versions that... You know, would yeah, would warn us of toxic substances. So if you touch something coated with lead or something like that, some with or with a poison, they might release pigments, you know, so change color. So you'd see that and you'd go, Oh, I gotta wash my hands. So your skin would turn a color.
1: Like a bright blue or something?
2: Yeah, you know, they haven't you know, they they haven't mentioned a color, but yeah, I think bright blue that could be pretty alarming, you know.
1: I thought you were gonna say that could be pretty.
2: <laughs> it could be it could also be pretty, but um you know- yeah, maybe you wouldn't want it to be an attractive color.
0: Don't we don't our bodies already warn us of of uh certain like isn't the whole reason to have diarrhea
2: for example to flush something out yeah and and, and it can also be you know just an unpleasant side effect so you know one kind of thing that they want to do is okay maybe you have like inflammatory bowel disease uh, and, you know, well, I think you would know, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you Okay, you have it. You have it. And you're having a flare, but this irritation is starting. But, you know, the bacteria that you now have, they can sense that trouble is brewing, that the simmering inflammation is happening even before oh. your pain and diarrhea. And so they could, you know, release maybe medicine that would soothe that and help you with your symptoms.
1: Wow. That's pretty impressive. Now, this is still way off for us humans, but scientists at Harvard, I've read, have been trying some of this on mice. Can you explain uh, what they've been doing?
2: Yeah. So what they managed to do recently is they engineered these gut bacteria to turn blue. If you know the mice had you know gut problems, so they would take the poop. They do lab tests. You know, if and again, if it changed color, that would mean that the you know, that the mice had these had this problem. And so they're thinking, well, maybe one day you could use that to. Diagnosed disease. You know, Are be- the
0: mice alarmed
2: when they see colorful <laughs> You
0: know, I'm not sure how good their color vision actually is. I don't actually know.
1: So you could basically make your gut smell like anything. Yeah. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? You mean uh, you mean just changing the smell of your poop? Or or other or other gases and whatnot. You could you know, like you know, like, oh, I smell fresh baked bread.
0: Oh. <laughs> Do I blame
1: the dog this time? Or is it- <laughs> <laughs>
0: I hadn't thought about that. You know what? Maybe I should go in for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wonder, but there are, there are things you'd want your body to warn you about in advance, uh, aren't there? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking just little trumpet. <laughs> you got diarrhea. Uh, well, Kate, uh, uh, first of all, I'm never going to eat another banana ever. <laughs> Uh, no, this is, this is, yet again, this is a bacteria-filled episode. Yeah, the of, themed uh, episode. Yeah. Live from the Poundstone Institute. I, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and uh, now every time I smell something, I'm going to say to myself, is that really that?
2: Probably you have a few more years of being able to trust your judgment on that.
0: Yeah, but what if I'm playing cards with mice late at night? <laughs> and some of them went to Harvard. Thanks so much, Kate. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Kate
1: Bagley is a science (laughs) journalist. Kate, thank you so much for joining us at the Poundstone Institute. Thank
0: you. There's lots more Poundstone Institute to come today, but when our show does end, we don't want you to get bored and end up talking to your kids or something. So let's hear about something else you can listen to later. I'm Linda Holmes.
1: And I'm Stephen Thompson. There's more stuff to watch and read these days than any one person can get to. That's why we make Pop Culture Happy Hour.
2: Twice a week, we sort through the nonsense, share reactions, and give you the lowdown on what's worth your precious time and what's not. Find Pop Culture Happy Hour on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Still to come, the results of
0: our study into whether people lie to their kids. And I just want to take a moment to say to my kids, if you keep listening, you'll each get a pony. But first, we have to add some data to the long-running PPP, the Poundstone Personality Survey.
1: Our test subject today is Tiffany Haddish. She's starring in the new hit movie, Girls Trip. Tiffany, welcome to the Poundstone Institute. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm
4: so happy to be a part of this institution.
0: Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for being here. Now, you are the breakout star of this movie, Girls Trip, and it's a big hit. Can you tell us about it?
4: Yeah, it's a great movie about four women who are friends who lose contact with each other and they reunite by going on a girl's trip to New Orleans and madness ensues. Madness ensues. So what's in New
0: Orleans that they go to?
4: Uh, they go to Essence Fest, which is a wonderful festival that happens every year where, um, you know, women get empowered and learn cool things. And usually there's a lot of single men there. So it's fun to play.
0: How could I? I've never heard of Essence Fest. And yet I feel that I am an empowered woman, Tiffany. <laughs> well,
4: that's probably because you're a white woman.
1: Oh. Uh, oh. Now, are you saying she's never heard of it? Because she's a white woman, or she's empowered because she's a white woman.
4: Both, both, my friend, both.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no, awesome. uh, So, is it
4: is it, it uh,
0: is it exclusively for black women, or like if I went, would would I be welcomed, or you
4: would definitely be welcomed, and
0: everyone would ask you where do you get your hair, <laughs> like they would love you. Um, So, no, no, let me ask you this. You had a remarkable way in which you came to be a a, a stand up comic.
4: When did you start? I started when I was 15 years old, almost 16. Uh, yeah, I went to the Laugh Factory Comedy Camp. My, uh, my social worker made me do it because I was getting in trouble in school for talking too much and being like the class clown. And she was like, Tiffany, you got two choices this summer. You can go to psychiatric therapy or you can go to the Laugh Factory Comedy Camp because something is wrong with your child.
0: So, all right. So you started when you were 15 and, and then, um, I, I also heard that you were a mascot for your high school.
4: Yeah, I was the school mascot. I was a conquistador. I was a Mexican soldier. And um, I was like the most popular Mexican soldier in school (laughs) in in the (laughs) Valley. I had to quit, though. I quit my senior year because I couldn't get a boyfriend. I was like, I really wanted a boyfriend because all my friends have boyfriends. And uh, dudes would be like, nah, I can't be the assistant mascot. I'm not going to date the mascot. So I quit. And then the dean was like, what's it going to take to get you back on the field, Haddish? And I was like, a boyfriend. And he was like... <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I can't get you a boyfriend, but let's let's talk more. Like, what do you want? I was like, well, I, want, I need money so I can get my hair and nails done so I can get a boyfriend.
0: <laughs> so. Wait a minute. What did you wear as the mascot? I don't know what a Mexican... I don't know what a conquistador looks like. What was the costume? Well, I looked like Shakespeare with a helmet. Basically, I had... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so did, what did your
4: so your face was showing? Yeah, I didn't wear. It. I would not. I refused to wear the head because it stank. It was old. The, the head was like from 1965. Oh, I'm, like, so I'm like, not wearing that.
1: It was like one of those big mascot heads.
4: Yeah, and I, I refused to wear it. I said, uh, "This is going to be a, a conquistador with a tan." Okay. And so yeah. <laughs> okay I, I
0: think I think you made the right decision there because I can guarantee you there was bacteria in that head.
4: Oh, yeah, and I'm not with the bacteria. I don't want to get an yeast infection in my nose, you
1: know? <laughs> well, all right, well, it's great to have you here, Tiffany, but now it's time for the hard science that we're going to break out on you. It's time for the mm-hmm. personality test. We're going to ask you three questions, and then we'll feed your answers into our vast database and tell you which sports mascot you most resemble. Pretty cool technology, huh?
4: <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. <laughs>
1: Sounds like you think it's BS, but this is science. Um, all
0: right. Are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Question number one, Tiffany. Mm-hmm. What was one thing you believed as a kid that you don't believe anymore?
4: I believed that, um, and my mom taught me this, that you had to get vaccinated before you could kiss a boy or uh, have sex because men have enzymes in their mouth that'll eat your face up and they <laughs> shoot this stuff out their pee-pee hole that's like snot and it'll eat your baby carriage up and your legs will fall off and you'll die in 24 hours.
1: And you don't believe that anymore?
4: <laughs> Not no more. <laughs> now I know you die. It takes a lot longer to die. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh,
0: question number two. If you could trade places with anyone else in the world, and let's just take me out of this. Uh, if you could trade places with anyone else in the world, Tiffany,
4: who would it be? Beyonce. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, why? <laughs> because Beyonce got it all, and she gets to perform, like, and do the best shows and her man is worth billions of dollars, like, and if she don't feel like working, she don't have to, and she's still the sh. <laughs> like, I'm with that, like. It'd
1: probably be my answer, too. <laughs>
0: All right, question number three. Um, Do you have a mirror face? You you know, a face you make every time when you're checking yourself out in the mirror. And if so, describe it for us.
4: I do have a face that I do in the mirror. And basically, uh, I smile at myself. And then I look at myself inside my eyeballs and try to see my pupils. And I say to myself, Tiffany Haddish, I love and approve of you. Tiffany Haddish, I love and approve of you. And if no one else does, that's because they have a mental problem. And that's what I do. Wow! <laughs> you are empowered. Yeah, and then everybody loves and approves of me. That's something I learned from the Essence Fest, from a butt-making black man. <laughs> nice. Uh,
0: yeah, geez, we are so polar opposite in so many ways.
1: Yeah, you do daily deformations, don't you?
0: Yeah, I really do. Yeah. I look in the mirror, and I try to find the facial hair that I keep feeling. <laughs> but my eyesight is too far gone to actually see it (laughs) and then i finally turn from the mirror and say i'll fix it later
1: i'm thinking tiffany's ritual might be more productive
0: yeah
4: and it programs everyone if you do that to yourself it'll program everybody outside in the world to see you the same way i'm just saying practice practicing one day and see what
0: happens Uh, you know what i'm gonna and you know what Will you be my mentor? Yeah,
4: you know what? You know what you need, part. You need a strong black woman to be your conscience. Let me just follow you around for a couple of days and oh just my power God. the hell out of your ass.
0: I would so <laughs> love that. In fact, you know what? I see documentary all over this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, let's uh, let's enter your responses into our supercomputer and figure out what sports mascot you are, Tiffany.
3: Why was there a sheep?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, technology. And here's the results.
0: Ah, yes, this makes sense. You are the totally real Sammy the Banana Slug, the official mascot of UC Santa Cruz. I wonder if his poop smells like bananas, too. <laughs> and, of course, we will pay you $50 a week anytime you want to be the mascot of the Poundstone Institute jangles the broken test tube.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Comedian Tiffany Haddish is the star of Girls Trip. Tiffany, thanks so much for joining us here on the Institute. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Tiffany, you're great. Thank you so, so much Thank for you. doing
4: this. Take care. Alright, you too. Bye-bye.
1: We have to raise a little more money, Paula. Our institute fencing team is still stuck with their original equipment order, which was all chain link. Who do we have to thank? We'd like to thank Juice Beauty,
0: whose founder, Karen Benke believes that women shouldn't have to choose between their beauty and their health. Juice Beauty is radically transforming the chemistry of beauty with luxurious, high-performance skincare and vibrant plant pigment makeup formulated with antioxidant-rich certified organic ingredients. Every organic drop feeds your skin. And you don't want your skin to get hungry. It could eat your whole face off. Find your clean skincare or makeup solution by signing up for emails on juicebeauty.com and enjoy a special offer with your first order. That's juicebeauty.com.
1: All right, we've tallied the results of our audience survey. We asked if you guys have ever lied to your kids and what did you tell them. And it seems that 66% of respondents have lied to their kids, two thirds of you. Paula, you have some of our audience answers there. You wanna share a few of their lies?
0: I I do. Uh, Let's see, Uh, what what are the lies you told your kids? The ice cream truck is the cottage cheese truck. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, Uh, what lie do you tell your kids? Uh, Forgot to do the tooth switch one night. She had lost the tooth late in the evening. Told my daughter she must have missed the cutoff for pickups. (laughs) (laughs) That the tooth fairy must have already left the office before the (laughs) notification came in. Told her to try again tomorrow night.
1: Wow, they went totally tooth fairy bureaucracy.
0: All right, all right, okay. What lies did you tell your kids, and what did you tell them? I would be right back. (laughs) Hey, if you're in LA and you've already washed off the oil from your bodybuilding session on Muscle Beach, why not come to a taping of our show? For tickets and more information, just head to poundstoneinstitute.org and find us on Twitter at Poundstone Inst. Well, having successfully ruined birthday parties forever, I think our work is done here today. The distinguished chair of the Poundstone Institute is Doug Berman. Our undistinguished chair is Ian Chillog. Our folding chair is Mike Danforth. Our chair apparent is Ken Lezebnik. Our chair Jordan is David Green. Our Sonny chair is Franny Kelly. Our chair Aristotle is Connie Bridgeford. Our King Louis XVI chairs are Steve Nelson and Anya Grundman. Special thanks to John Cohn and his pals at Southern California Public Radio, Erica Reddick, Bonnie Burns, and the folks at NerdMelt. Our technical directors are Patrick Murray and Stephen Cologne. Our theme music is by Oakland's Californicorns. Live from the Poundstone Institute is produced by Urgent Haircut Productions in association with KPCC and is reluctantly distributed by NPR. You can visit us at poundstoneinstitute.org or find us on Facebook. Thanks to our head of research, Adam Felber. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, live from the Poundstone Institute. Are you serious? This is NPR?